I was gonna say, yeah, studying is like wiping your ass, where it's like everybody's expected to just you just do it on your own, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and nobody helps you figure out whether you're doing it well. <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 415 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the miscellaneous programmer. I'm Sam and I'm the art person. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is May 12th, 20 Jubilee. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be swears on this show. Yep. And we just, yeah, they're, oh. Just, oh. they're coming. Uh, we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thank you very much for your uh, monthly donations to help keep this podcast going. Uh, all right, now we're gonna we're just gonna get right into questions. Let go because we got lots of things going on in the studio that we won't talk about now, but we'll talk about about soon. Soon uh, after some, something happens, yeah. Things are going to happen. Right. And at then, some point, at some something's going to happen. And then we'll say some things about the yeah, things that not to spoil, no, Not to spoil anything, no. but that's that's coming. So be ready. Now, speaking uh, of right. no spoilers, the new, the new Zelda game came out. Oh, yeah. Comes out today. Oh. Or I guess last night at midnight or whatever. What do we know about it? Do we know anything about All it? All I know is it's yeah, straight tens and hundreds across the board, basically, with a few little nitpicks here and there. So I, I assume that tens are out of ten. Yes. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. a good. And the hundreds are out of hundred, also. Just to, the, those yeah. ones aren't out of ten. Yeah. Right, right. The fives well, you never know. Are out of five. Also, they're not out of ten. Yeah, you never know because nowadays you don't see nowadays, fives every, in, in like the console and PC space. You know, like it's that's always mostly out of a hundred, and then sometimes out of ten, mm-hmm. right? But then on mobile, it's just like it's always out of five. So yeah, but then it's it, then it didn't. It's it's too uh, chunky. So then they break it down into half stars. So it really still is, still is out of ten, right? That's yeah. <laughs> true. Or right. out of really any number once it becomes. Yeah. Or I guess yeah, if you look at a game, it'd be like four point seven out of five. It's like, <laughs> yeah. What the that's, fuck? That's just ninety four out of hundred. So yeah, what, what are we doing? What? Yeah, and also we've got the <laughs> we got the U shaped review problem too of like, wow, this game has an average of like of like sixty. Is it good? Well, you know, most people say give it a hundred percent, but then like a, a small number of people gave it zero because I don't know, there was a, a person in it mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who the hell knows, but we'll see. Yeah. I do think um, steam's thumbs up, thumbs down is just the best of the systems. Best. Yeah. It's just, and it's just a, would you recommend it or would you not recommend yeah. it? But Clean, again, I simple. think our own invention of the nailed it slash whiffed it. That's better. Uh, yeah. Is better because it's not about whether you would recommend it. It's whether you recognize what this game was trying to do and yeah. did they do a good job at it. It might so not be for, for the you. kind of person who would like a game like this. Would they like it? Right. Yep. The, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Not you. Because uh, I don't care if you don't like it. Yeah. I don't yeah. give a shit. This isn't about you. You're writing a <laughs> review for me. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Or I don't know. I don't know why people write reviews. Anyways, uh, let's get into the questions. So as a, as a note, we uh, we started recording this episode, started answering uh, the highest upvoted question, which came from Carl. My mic wasn't working. Turned out, so we started over. So we're gonna we're gonna put Carl's question on the shelf, and let, we'll get back to it next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we just spent some time talking about it, and we need to let it rest now. Yeah. So sorry, Carl. We'll we'll get you next time. <laughs> uh, so the Second highest up for a question from podcast.bscotch.net comes from Atto Gordy Rikishi, who says, I am hoping to become a solo developer. 
but I'm a student and don't have much free time. What is the best way to learn multiple skills and how should I scale projects to be something I can accomplish? First question. When you say you don't have time, uh-huh. Because as a student, this is when you have the most time. This is the most time you'll ever have. <laughs> usually, it usually is. So, but, the, but it might be Depending. the case that it is distributed in a way that feels like you don't have any. Mm-hmm. Or yes. uh, that there are pockets where you don't have any. So for example, you know, coming up on a finals week, it does feel like you have, you got no fucking time because you got to be studying all the time or eating or sleeping as we skid, right? Um, so the question is, how... What is the shape of your lack of time? That's question number one. Because if there's big holes in it where you can actually, you usually don't have time. But then, again, you're a student, so you probably got minimal responsibilities. It comes in waves. Yes. Then are there certain weekends where by shifting some things around, you could have the whole weekend? Because as a student, that's a thing that's very possible usually. That as an adult, it gets harder and harder to do, especially if they have family and stuff. So if that's the case, then game jams, as we've talked about before, I will always just say game jams, do game jams. If you want some skills in any place, do a game jam because you yeah, basically fit good for an entire semester. Commitment. Yeah, yep. you have a semester of learning in two days, uh, which is just amazing. So that's kind of that answer if that's the shape of the problem for you. Yeah, sprints are also a lot easier to manage because you don't have to figure out how to sustain them in the long term and you don't have to figure out how to build habits around them, all that yes. kind of stuff, right? So if you can find pockets where you can just throw a whole ass dedicated or sprint. Or a day or whatever. Yeah, yep. or, even, or even just a morning, you know, like if you – like one of the ways that I always love to do things is I would just go to a coffee shop. This is pre-COVID mm-hmm. days, right? But just like go to a coffee shop when I just needed to like do something and then just yep. – Plan to be there for like four hours, drinking coffee and working on a problem of some sort. Mm-hmm. Yes. And another nice thing about the uh, jam approach is that the goal of the jam is to finish something. Start and finish it in that time, um, which means you small will be forced, yeah, you'll be forced to keep the scope small. You'll be forced to think about things in a way that, that gets you to that goal. Um, and when the weekend is done – then you have something that you can even, you know, show to your friends and have them play it, which is one of the most satisfying things. But if you, if instead you say, oh, I'm just going to spend an hour a day working on this giant, giant game project. Which is what most people do, which you should not do. Yeah. Then three years later, you still won't have something that somebody can play um, and you'll be quite demotivated and you're always trying to weave this thing into the cracks of your life. And every time you come Uh, back to it, Basically, the context of that thing has gotten has got gets bigger every time you touch it, right? Yeah, it's harder and harder to work on yeah, every so, time. Because if you're working on it, if you are actually working on it daily, like as a job, right? Then that's fine. You're just like you're familiar with the context. You just have to rebuild what you forgot over your sleep, right? And that's basically it. But if you're coming back to it irregularly or once a week or on jam weekends here and there or something like that then you need to be able to just to come in and like work on your skills basically and like learn new stuff. And you can't do that if you have to also like rebootstrap the context of the thing. And things get hard to work on even outside of that because now you can't just go do something. You have to figure out how does this work in the whole context of the thing. And the amount of progress you can make towards finishing something keeps on slowing down mm-hmm. over time. Um, and e- even games that are like projects that seem that, – that feel small – when you are observing yes. them on the outside. I think to me, it's like Stardew Valley is such a great example of this because it was a game 
that when you look at it, you're like, oh, it's like a cute like pixel art kind of farming game. Mm -hmm. And it's got like pretty straightforward uh, systems and, you know, that. How could that be? Yeah, except except, like as you look deeper and deeper, you know, there's a lot of things going on under the hood. And it's it's under this kind of like retro, you know, veneer, Mm -hmm. like facade where where it feels like it's a very simple, small game, but it's not. It's incredibly deep, right? And that was one person that worked full time on it for five years. It's not like an hour a day. It was like, that's all – that he yep. did and he was like supported by his girlfriend and there was like you know uh it's you need to be able to chunk your time and i'd also say if, if you're doing student stuff full-time then i wouldn't be thinking about this as your time to like try to make a big blockbuster you know uh Absolutely it's not. it's it's your time to like you were saying you know develop skills and uh build up that portfolio and being able to just chunk out a weekend and, and do jams like that lets you get finished projects. It teaches you a lot about the entire beginning to end development process and the whole stack of everything. So yeah, that's and like I and I'm speaking from my own experience. That was my journey as well. It's like I started working on a huge game for a year and it fell apart. And then I switched over to this make a game in two days, make a game in three days mode. And that was when things actually turned around for me and I was able to like really ramp up my skills mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. So and that was how I mean that was how I learned programming and is like I was back in 2008 you know picked up picked up my first well I guess I tried to get into it a few times right but it was always in like weird school contexts right but really like picked it up on my own for the first time and just tried to do it and uh, and the reason I was able to stick with it was because I just kept on finding small one-off problems that I could go solve with like, you know, in, in, a, in a rudimentary way at the time, but whatever, got the job done. So it doesn't matter. Right. And I learned a bunch of stuff. And so like I was working as a, as a lab tech at the time in a, in a biology lab. And I would just notice, I'd be like, Oh, Hey, like there's this, there's this like tedious calculation I have to do every day. Um, that's mm-hmm. just, it's just a, it's just a straightforward thing that has to happen. But I just have to like every fucking day, I have to come in and like measure this one kind of thing and then start from that measurement and then do a whole bunch of conversions and stuff. Right. And I was like, oh, perfect. Let me just like write a little program that does this, you know, like, and I spent a few hours in the evening, like trying to figure that out because I didn't know anything, you know, built a tiny ass little program, you know, and then over like the next few weeks, I just like made it a little better. So I had like a, a nice little prompt and it could like recover from errors, you know, and like that kind of look, but I didn't need to do that. That was just for fun to like figure out how I would do those things. And then I put that on the shelf, move on to the next one, you know, and like a new problem comes up. But I didn't try to like turn that into like, oh, hey, now I can build like a an empire out of tooling for, you know, people yeah. to do delusion series or whatever. It was uh, just like a one-off little project. And I kept on doing a series of those. Like anytime something would come up where I'd be like, hmm, I wonder if this is a programming challenge, you know, and I would like go try to figure it out. And I just did that for years, just years. You basically right? you have to think on an, almost on a, an atomic level. Uh, yeah. As you're, especially on the skill building phase. And the, the thing is like, it can seem like you shouldn't be doing that because the question is like, where is this building toward? In terms of like, you're not building toward like a big game or whatever. But the reality is that it is way better early to be able to not have to deal with the shit that you did two, three, four weeks ago because it's so dumb and it is yep. so poorly built that it is great <laughs> to just wipe the slate clean and start over. So give yeah, yourself the that idea. benefit. Of a greenfield versus a brownfield project, right? So mm. so in software, you'll hear this all the time. Greenfield means beautiful green pastures. Everything is great. So it's greenfield, right? And that basically means you're starting fresh. Nice. Brownfield means you're trying to do something in the context of existing things, right? 
and mm-hmm. it's, it's called brownfield so it gets a very graphic representation there's like pesticide everywhere the land is poison right there's like <laughs> there's like cow shit all over it right and you're trying to figure yeah. out how do i how do, do i plant, yeah. plant a tree here or something right mm-hmm. um and s- certainly as a student where you're just like trying to learn stuff and brownfield is really it's like that's a really interesting problem domain and that's actually where most problems live in the real world right is like it's in the yeah. context of other stuff that you have to deal with but it's also a really really hard place to learn yeah, um, showing up when you don't actually know how to grow anything in one of those environments is not yeah going yeah to yeah right exactly yeah. if you come in there and you're like well i don't have any seeds i've never heard of plants mm-hmm. i don't know what cows are <laughs> yep right but uh, apparently my first job is to de-pesticide this place yeah. or something. And by the time I'm done, I still haven't even started growing anything. Yep. And I don't even know what no, pesticide is. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't, it yeah. just doesn't work. Right. It, you, there's way too much context that you need to build. It's the same idea we were saying earlier that if you come back to projects infrequently, the context building you have to do is that's, 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 that's your own brownfield project that you've created now. Right. Mm-hmm. And so tech debt is the kind of, is the other name for this. Right. Um, so being able to just to do things in a way that you can kind of just throw it away, uh, is, is the learning strategy. That's how you figure out how to, to do stuff. Yeah. And I do want to touch back on the, the, the idea of not having time because it's one of those things that is generally not true. And I don't mean that in the sense where it's like, it isn't, f- I, I could, I'm fully on board with being able to feel like you don't have time. Most people feel like that. I feel like that a lot, but when well, you, you, the fact is you don't because you, there's you have the time that you have and you haven't changed it. Yeah, yet. there's there's infinite things to do though, right? There's there's always infinite uh there's an infinite laundry list of things both that you are required to do maybe for school as well as things that you maybe think you're required to do and then things that you would just like to do, you know. Um and if you and there are different also ways to do each of those things. Yes, so this is going to get at which is like if if there's things that are taking up basically the question is first is what is taking up your time actually? And that's a really, that's a really good exercise to do, which is like keeping a time journal and just for a week, just every day, just keep track of as you switch between activities and stuff, what you're doing. Guarantee you, somehow you will suddenly realize that you actually have probably like a good two hours every day, really, where you could like do something with, if not more. Then with the things that are uh, on that list, you ask a second question, which is, okay, let's say I'm spending, I'm spending like four hours a day studying for this, I don't know, chemistry class, whatever. There's a different question there, which is not, um, it's not about like cutting it out because you can't, but it's about saying, how do I do this in a way that doesn't take so much fucking time? How do I get better at this thing in service of freeing up time so that I can do this other thing? Because the reality is a lot of times, if you just start making these cuts where you're like, well, I'm just going to spend three hours studying now because I need more time to do this other thing, but you don't change the method. You're not, you're just sort of going to start losing in both domains actually, because you're not necessarily more effectively doing the work. Uh, that you need to be doing. So I think that's that's the other piece, which is once you actually know what you are doing, then you have to ask the question, am I actually doing this well? Really? When it comes out like efficiently? And if your answer off the cuff is like, oh yeah, no, I know how to study. You don't. I, yeah, I guarantee you. Definitely you don't. If, I mean, even with the stuff we do with, you know, with art, whatever else, always, 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 I'm looking for new ways to do the things that I do. Every single week I spend at least probably at least an hour looking at other artists' tutorials or, you know, reading through the newsletter I get from Clip Studio Paint about like, weird functions that they have that I might know about, might not, but there's better ways to do every single thing you're doing. It doesn't mean you're doing things poorly or wrong, but just saying that's sort of generally the case. And some of them are so huge in terms of the impact that you can take something like a four-hour study session and reduce it down to like two hours and get better results too. And so that's the thing where it's like, 
you got to look at the stuff that you are doing. You got to require this focus. Yeah. And ask, how do I do this well and not come at it from my, I already know what I'm doing, but just ask. This is actually exactly what I ran into, uh, where when I was in law, when I started law school, that was also Mm -hmm. the time when I, when I started learning how to, how to make games. And, uh, I was kind of pissed off because like I found game maker and I was like, Oh, I actually could use this to make games. But my law school classes were demanding just an insane amount of time to like read all these cases and prepare these outlines and study and stuff. And, uh, I was kind of getting like, I was getting more, I was chafing up against the fact that like I wanted to be putting my time into my game dev, but I supposedly had to put, you know, 30 hours a week outside of class Mm -hmm. studying, um, and I got that idea that that's how much time it was going to take is because that's how much time my classmates were mm-hmm. spending studying. And it wasn't until that, like, suddenly like, something clicked at that moment where I was like, wait a minute, how how do you study? Yep. Mm-hmm. Does like, it have to take 30 hours? Or because when I was really causing we, it to take 30 hours. We were never taught how to do. You were never not, actually were not taught, taught study. Insane. Yeah. yeah. We spent kind our of like whole debate. fucking lives as like from children until we were adults mm-hmm. in school. And there was not a moment where somebody sat down and was like, let's talk about how to do this, how to, yeah. how to do school actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so I started doing a bunch of experiments to find ways to sort of like uh, isolate the things that I was struggling with and separate that out from the things that I understood well, right? Because I, I think a lot of the problems with studying is it comes down to to like re- just reviewing notes, mm-hmm. right? And like going through a whole bunch of stuff that you've already seen as opposed to a more targeted approach where you can like specifically focus on the stuff that you just need to be focusing on and don't worry about the stuff that you're already good in. And uh, once I, I sort of like came up with a strategy to handle that in my study time, uh, dropped by about 80%. Like I was taking yeah. about a fifth as much time to, to study as I was just studying just specifically the things that I needed to study and just ignoring the rest. Um, and I did like, I did great. My, my grades were good. I was like, this is the first time that I actually like thought about studying, but then at the same time I was spending 20 plus hours a week, just working on learning how to make video games then instead. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I've been in this exact situation, and yeah, what Sam's saying is right. It's that like you you don't you don't currently have free time, but that's just a consequence of the way that you're currently doing things, mm-hmm. and it's but also there's no to, such to look thing at those things because time just passes, right? So like like it doesn't make sense. Yeah, nobody has free. Nobody time. has free time. Time is just a thing that happens to you, right? It's not free because like it something happened, you know, in that. In yeah, nobody has just like a like a three hour chunk of every day where they're just like, wow, I'm just not doing anything at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and the thing is like, does time won't pass have th- unless I do unless I think of something to do? Like, no, it's just yeah. And you you may have, for example, like a three hour chunk or, or not even a chunk, but just three hours throughout the day where you're like watching YouTube videos or TikTok or you yeah, know, check whatever. your screen time on your phone. Just tell me how much time you got on yeah. that. It's a lot more than you and think. The, yeah. yeah, yeah, and the thing is like. It, from the outside, it looks like you're doing nothing, but that actually is like your brain is like occupied at that time and you are filling that time. Yeah, there's no such thing as doing a, nothing. Like it, something yeah. had to have happened because time passed, right? So like whatever it was. Yeah. So I think it's, it's you know, step one is just like get a, get a picture of where your time's actually going. And step two, like Sam was saying, is, is look at the big chunks and say, how yeah. do I make that a small chunk? How do I do get the, get the same or better results with a lot less effort? Yeah. Well, and then to Seth's point too, this is, it's just literally true of everything that we're not taught how to do anything actually in a way that 
is geared towards like scalability and efficiency, right? Mostly you just have to kind of figure things out on your own because for, because that's just how we operate, I guess. And so you kind of like come, so everybody has their own ways of doing everything. And you don't even realize that you have your own way of doing literally everything, right? And all Ask two different stuff. people how they load a dishwasher and you'll see fights break out. It's fucking yeah. hilarious. It's oh, like, yeah. Or, or like stuff that like really feels like it shouldn't be different. Like every once in a while, you'll, like I'll see a video or something where somebody and they're like they're talking to somebody else and they realize that like they wipe their ass in a different way. Right. I was mm-hmm. going to say, yeah, studying yes. is like wiping your ass yeah, where, where it's, it's like, like everybody's everybody doing it to same. just you just do it on your own. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody helps you figure out whether you're doing it well. Yeah. <laughs> and, literally, and literally everything in life is is like this. Right. And it's not until you are confronted with the fact that – because basically scalability is is like really what this problem is about, right, um, yeah. of the stuff that you do. And scalability, the idea there is to say something we don't – and the reason I focus on scalability, not on actual scaling, is because until sort of demand rises and, and breaks your current system, right – you don't think about scalability on it for a given thing, right? But it's the fact that you don't that allows you to do all these things and just like have all of your time just be filled with stuff in a way that it doesn't need to be. And that's not inherently bad either, right? Like there's there's the kind of like efficiency bro mindset where you're just like, I need to make sure that every every moment of my time is used as efficiently as possible, whatever, right? Been that's there. actually not a thing you have to, yeah, I've been there. We've all been there. It's part of, it's part of learning and growing as a human being, I think, is getting into and then past that phase, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, it's basically deciding what to do with your time and why you're doing stuff. Right. Along with the realization that the stuff that you are doing is like, it's, it's arbitrary it's stuff that you choose and you won't be doing it away inherently that is scalable. That doesn't mean you have to be, but if you're trying to find other ways to, if you're trying to find stuff to add, mm-hmm. then the only way to do that is by identifying what you're doing and how you're doing it and then deciding what do I not do and of the stuff that's left, how do I still get out of it what I want, but maybe yeah, using I, a more scalable approach? What I will say that there's, I think there's a problem, there's a very modern day problem, I think, with the mindset toward just like work or studying, which is this this big glorification of, of hardness, studying hard, working hard, right? And I mean, we, again, been there was like yeah i just need to i just need to ride some grind you know get those hours in let's go get that, um, get that grind mindset yeah when people are like you know it's just gonna take ten thousand hours of terrible drawing before your drawings are good does it have to it does no nope. no no it fucking does not and and the thing is like if, if you can stop like in a, in a lot of ways that we you subconsciously if you're working really hard it feels like you're doing things correctly yeah because you're exerting a lot of effort and this is a problem because Ideally, ideally, studying should be easy. It should be very easy. I, you know, but it doesn't sound good, really, to say like, oh, I, I, you know, I barely studied for this. Well, it's, it's, it's braggy. It's right? braggy. Like, so it's, it's not braggy to say that you worked hard for some reason, yes. but it is braggy to say that you worked smart. I think because people attribute hard work as like something anybody can do, but working smart is something only smart people can do. Yes. Which it's actually not true. it's not because yeah. yeah. working yeah. hard at something like means basically surmounting. Uh, it basically means using your willpower, right? Yes. And like surmounting obstacles by sheer brute force, and that's actually one of the hardest ways to do anything, right? Oh, it's brutal. Uh, yeah, it's 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 like actually hard. It just yeah. right. But that isn't what we should be celebrating, though, because not only is that inaccessible, actually, to lots of people lots of the time, 
but it's not a good way to do it. Yeah. It's bad for you. It's bad it's for your fun. health. It's bad for everything. Yeah. It's not oh, fun. Good, You're good, not having yeah, a good, good time. Yeah. I mean, we had a market comparison. shift in the studio when we, when we started asking the question, like, how do we get as much done and just not do it in a way that is hard? Can we just fucking yeah. not? Yeah. I would like to coast. Well, that was our, that was our, yeah, that was our DevOps thing where we said like, what if we, what if we said time is a constraint not a not a resource mm-hmm. that we can yeah. just keep spending more of to solve problems. It's like, all right, if, if we work thirty five hours a week on our games, what then we have to make sure. Happen. Yeah, yeah, we got to make sure that those thirty five hours are great mm-hmm. and easy, and that you know we yeah, just moving are, us are towards cruising. the outcomes we're looking for. Yeah, and so you know, and there like things take a long time. Sure, just because like if you're making a giant thing, right? It's just it just a minute takes time, right? But like, we're also trying to find ways to make it faster all the time. Um, but just because something takes a while doesn't mean that it's should be excruciatingly difficult. And I think a, like a good example is like farming, which I think we can all agree is hard as fuck, right? Yeah. However, it used to be way harder, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? True. Because you could only farm like a little bit of land and you had terror, like you didn't have much in the way of fertilizers. So, so your crops just kind of like died a lot and they were hard to grow. And like you had to use like animals to plow mm-hmm. stuff, you know, or like, and, and there, and nowadays we have all this machinery and like, yeah, there's, there's still plenty of different kinds of, of plants or crops that do have to be, you know, hand mm-hmm. harvested and stuff like, and, and people are still, people are trying to solve those with like robotics and stuff because, because if, if you've got like two farmers, you know, and one of them is bragging about how, how they're working 10 times harder than the other farmers, but while yielding one Tenth of the crops, right? Yeah, the, yeah. It's a good. It's, a, it's a very good metaphor, actually, because it's, it's kind of that same thing. Where it's like, whenever someone tells me they're working really hard, I am deeply suspicious of their method they're using to get the work done. Yeah, it's just like, why? Yeah, why, why are you just? Yeah, and not in a way that's yeah. like that. That is saying that you are bad or like doing it wrong, but just saying like, why is it so hard? Could well, we make and, it? And you're fun, you're using the wrong metric, right? Because if like if that's the thing that you're talking about is like how much time is going in and how how hard it was for you to put that mm-hmm. time in, right? You're just using the wrong metrics to decide like if this. I is think I think what happened was it was after yeah. school when when you enter the workforce when suddenly no one gives a shit about you. They just want what happens because of your eff- because of your efforts. They don't care if it was. They don't care if you sacrificed yourself and your family to get those fucking I don't know PowerPoint decks well, put together or like kind of. They want you to actually. In the well, it, yeah, it, it it depends, right? Because like in some places they actually can't really figure out what you do or how to measure it, and so the only metric they use is they use is how much did you sacrifice for the company? Did you work overtime? Did oh yeah, you sure. Not I, take any. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're looking at like maybe a. Um, if you're talking about like direct within a corporation, look like someone an looking office, at you. office job. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying like as far as like a product development goes, maybe it's a better example. It's because like in the video game space, right? It is very possible to take two, four, six times longer to make something that has ten times more bugs that is mm-hmm. a tenth the size that it could. Like it, it can be very, it can be much easier for someone to make a product that does way better than you did, and it, and no one cares that it was easy for that person or that was. You don't get rewarded for your. For the hardness. So yeah. do not actually yeah, working the hard by default gives you worse outcomes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So so just uh, you know, I hope you get ahead of it earlier than I did, but just like try to 
try to drop the notion that that it's somehow giving you something for things to be hard. Because as soon as you can like actually kind of jettison that a little bit, then you get curious about how to make things not hard. And that's where everything starts opening up yeah, for scale. That's also that's also where you learn because like yep. you can't make a thing not hard if you don't understand it. You know, it's not, it's just not possible. So that's where like, I mean, at this point, most of my time, most of my like waking time at work isn't, even when I am like really actively working on something, still most of my mental time is like going into all the, what are the implications of this? Like, how could I make this suck less? You know, like there, and there's so many things like I literally learned programming because I thought it would be like fun to help me problem solve, but that was, that was it. Right. And, but that was that was then true. That's like this long-term approach of like, how do I just make all problems easier somehow? Right. And yeah, learning programming is not an easy way to approach that. Right. But there are harder and easier ways of learning programming too. Right. It, it just, like, it just keeps on getting nested lower and lower. Right. And so most of the stuff that I, that I do these days is like figuring out how do I just make stuff easier and better for myself in the long term, um, while still having a decent time now. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the uh, that's the mindset that lets you just like figure out how to do the stuff that you want to do eventually. Mm-hmm. Now, as a final note about this idea of like reexamining stuff that you think you've you think you've got a handle on, mm-hmm. but it turns out you haven't really thought about it probably at all. Uh, so, in the studio, we've been doing a little bit of an ergonomics push. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, picked up uh, these new Moonlander keyboards from uh, okay. what's the company? ZSA. ZSA. Yeah. So if you go, to, I think it's think? ZSA.io. Yep. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. So it's they also they have, they make a, a keyboard called the ErgoDox, and right they make ErgoDox. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So the idea is like it's a split keyboard that has highly reconfigurable keys. And some additional sort of like thumb buttons, and um, and it's it's very flexible in terms of how you can remap it and how you can sort of like tilt it around and you know make it fit your ergonomic situation. But uh, it doesn't have as many keys as a normal keyboard does because it has a layers system where you can hit a hit a button and flip into a new layer, and then you've got an entirely new set of key mapping. So instead of having a dedicated chunk of the keyboard, for example, that's a numpad, you can just hit a button to flip into a different layer, and then and you've got a section of your keyboard. Yeah. Right. Um, and this has been an interesting transition because um, when you don't quite have as many keys freely available, then you've got to think about what keys you do use mm-hmm. a lot and when and under what circumstances, uh, which keys you never use or you think you never use. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you kind of got to come up with your own like keyboard mapping of all this. And it's been a very wild and interesting week to kind of see each like each different person who's playing around with this keyboard working on their – because we can share our layouts with each other, right? Mm-hmm. And like – Adam and I both do a lot of programming, so our layouts have some things, some ideas in common, but almost none of the actual key placements are the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then Sam is doing a lot of like uh, one hand on the left portion of the keyboard while drawing with his right hand, and what keys he needs and key combos and stuff are also you know totally different. Um, but as we as we've been working on this stuff throughout the week, we just keep comparing notes of like realizing all these things that we've been doing with our hands 
while typing for decades that we mm-hmm. just never really knew that we were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even like shit that you've been doing that you, because you couldn't change it because of the circumstance yeah. you haven't been able to take advantage of. So uh, the easiest one for me is, is the delete and backspace key problem, which is that those two keys do different things in a lot of art programs from like mm. blowing up a, a layer, for example, versus not even doing anything, but you cannot map both of them. In other words, like the delete key, the actual Dell key, at least Eclipse Studio Paint, I cannot map to the thing I need to map it to, right? Which means mm. I cannot get it onto my left fucking hand, which means every time I need to press that key, <laughs> which is, you know, relatively frequently, I have to go press it over, like to go over there and press it. Yeah, so you can like reach across. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's weird shit like that where you, you suddenly, I could put it on my thumb and it's like, you could feel it where suddenly you're like, this means, and then it's sort of like, you know, because it cascades out. Like you could just feel how important those little stupid shifts are. And it's yeah. like, there are things that you are structurally not able to do because you don't have the tools that would allow you to do so, right, in this particular case. But then also the cost of, like, doing all this thought work and these changes is pretty fucking big. And, like, I can't yeah. hardly type on my moon later yet. I've only spent, like, 15 minutes. Like, yeah, I spent, and I spent like, hours over the this past weekend because I, I got it on last Friday. And I just spent hours, like, trying out new mappings and then doing some, doing some like, uh, practice runs to be like, oh, this part sucks, right? Swapping out keys because the keys didn't feel good. You know, like, hours. And then also this week, <laughs> more hours, just like mm-hmm. thinking about being like, oh, okay, this isn't quite right. And like trying to come up with like a theoretical underpinning of like how my how keyboard should work, right? Because normally <laughs> yeah. you're just, it's, yeah, Sam, like you're saying, it's like time, right? You're just, you're normally just handed a chord of keyboard. Yeah, you're like, okay, go. this is what a Deal keyboard is, right? So like it has enough keys to have literally everything on it and everything is built with QWERTY, with a QWERTY keyboard in mind, right? So like if it's doable in the thing, like there's a way to do it on the keyboard, right? And we've spent decades learning, using software that assumes we're using a QWERTY keyboard and then using QWERTY keyboards, right? But just the idea that, like, the default behavior is, like, my hand knows if I want to move arrow keys around, it just has to fucking move some. Like, my whole ass hand just has to move, like, five inches, like, to where the arrow keys are going to be. Like, that's normal behavior, and I'm used to it, right? So, like, that to me is, like, that's okay. That's how this works. That's what good is. That's what the default is, right? And, yeah, then now given this new system where it's, like, that doesn't have to be how it is though, right? It can be, and in fact, can't be because there aren't just dedicated arrow keys. So now it's like, right. <laughs> now it's, yeah, now I also have to figure out how do I actually do this differently instead? And it's, and it's stuff like for, because programming is different than writing prose. It's so different. The keys that you need, like I need to, I need to hit plus and equals constantly and hit dash constantly. All the symbols. Yeah, you need all the symbols all the time and you're hitting brackets all the time, right? And so that was like one of the interesting things was like, how do I find a way on this new layout to like take those kinds of keys that I actually do need all the time that they've kind of stripped out before they normally are or just like move them to different layers or something, right? But make them actually really easy to hit because now that all of a sudden I don't have those keys anymore, but also could have them anywhere, any way that I want to, (laughs) then I have this like new struggle of I'm going to have to relearn something. That's the hard part, Mm -hmm. right? But the thing that I get that I get to learn now is is something new that makes programming better and easier in the long term, right? And actually, all problems are like this, like that, as we're talking about, right? Like everything is is this thing is like if once you identify what the defaults are and realize those are all made up, yep. and then embrace the idea that like to move into some new domain, I have to go through the discomfort of like learning and adapting, right? And thinking really hard and working on something, like and figuring out actually what changes to make. Like that's the part that actually is hard. That's the part that should be hard is the is the careful change. thinking and, sh- and experimenting and trying to change stuff as you 
find a new approach. Um, and it's the willingness to do that, that basically, and to constantly be doing that, that is what allows you to be like, oh, now I'm a solo dev who builds entire video games or whatever, right? Uh, you can't do it without that kind of uh, approach to everything. Yeah. Well, there's, there's or you can't, it'll just hump. be really hard all the time. Yeah. And there's also a hump to that of like, once you start really thinking about these things that you haven't thought about before, there's like a moment at first where you're just like, oh, finally, I get to like be the mastermind I was always meant to be, you know? And like, for example, the fact that like, that on a normal QWERTY keyboard, your pinky rests on a semicolon, Mm -hmm. right? Which is like, if you're writing normal prose, that's fucking weird. Yeah. Right? You never hit that fucking button. It's like a- Yeah. Yeah. Why? Yeah. And they're like, you got like reach to hit, hit the period, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with like a normal QWERTY keyboard, which, which again, like why, why, why is that like that? Right. But then there's like all of these knock on effects where maybe you do decide I'm going to, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a genius badass. I'm going to swap these two. But then it turns out that like the relationship of those two keys was actually really important, right? Because they're, they're in a certain position because of some other keys. Yep. And then you start moving some other things around and then you end up with like a completely different layout and then it doesn't work at all. And then you kind of work your way backwards and end up pretty close to where you started. <laughs> Which describes uh, my journey with this keyboard so far. It's like, <laughs> that's usually well, yeah, yeah, I because departed substantially from QWERTY at first to be like, oh, it makes so much more sense. And actually, a lot of it, I think, was still true. It's just that I then added so much additional learning that I would have to do. Yeah, it might and make like, sense in a vacuum. Yeah, but, but things don't live in a are. vacuum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's all this stuff too that like when you first start, so like if you're, if you're trying to like redo how you study or, or whatever, like you're going to come up with all kinds of wild ideas and change lots of things at once. And a lot of it's not going to work. And then that's going to, it's going to take a lot of time. And it's going to be kind of discouraging, but like, it's all part of the process of in the long run, getting smarter and better at things. Yeah. You've got to make the mistakes, but at least you, at least you're doing something. At least you're changing something. Yeah, if, you get, if you get, if you get really good at Having the outcomes you're looking for be the side effects of your process improvement work. Yes. Right? So that you do well on tests because you've gotten really good and you've like basically done R&D about studying, right? And figuring out how to study and how to take tests, right? Because then the side effect is now all of a sudden you can now go to any class and take any class and you could take mm-hmm. any test. So like, and every, now all of a sudden everything is fine, right? Um, yeah. And if you can figure that out, but, it, but that's its own thing. That's its own discipline, which is, I just think of as like R&D, right? And as you guys are saying, it's frustrating as fuck. Like your ideas won't pan out. It's, it's R&D, right? Like, like it's, it's one of, the, one of the, the things that, the best things I got out of, out of going to grad school and like trying to do science, right? With scientists who are actually like publishing, you know, novel research and stuff, right? Is the, is the discovery that almost everything you do doesn't work out. Yep. Yeah. Almost all of them. <laughs> Almost all of them. everything. And, and even the stuff that seems to have worked out, you look back on five or 10 years later and you're like, oh, it turned out that that was still wrong, actually, right? We just didn't have enough information at the time to know that. And and it was like the embrace of that lifestyle of just being like, yeah, you just learn as much as you can and you can, you stay curious and you just like every source of information you can, you just like hear what people are talking about. You like try things that people claim that are possible, right? Mm-hmm. And And over time, you just start to like – the failure process of R&D just becomes part of the process. You know, like I, it's like, like I, was, I, I spend most of my time just thinking about stuff and trying things. And like most of any given day is like, I wonder if, and then being like, nope, it turns out, right? <laughs> and like, that's actually still, mo- like even today, that's still most of what I do is just like try a thing that doesn't work out. Uh, and I just love it at this point, right? But I didn't at first, you know, I'm like it, at first it was so it's, so it's not very fun. frustrating. It's not fun. Um, and I think if you can figure if you can get yourself into that position of just being like, 
Yeah, I just love trying stuff, and it's fun when things don't go wrong because I learned something still. Like that's I think part of it, though, comes from easing up a bit on the timing of some of these uh, wants. What do I mean by that is, yeah, if you're a student and you don't have time um, because you're studying so much, you know, arguably, then the thing you should be doing maybe is not figuring out how to be a solo dev, but it should be figuring out how to just be a student. Yeah, how to make it easy to be a student. So, because now as a side effect, you could then figure out how do I become a solo dev. Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll come actually after that without any without a lot less trouble. And so, bucket the stuff a little bit. I mean, you you literally say like, okay, for this this next six weeks, you know, my my free time, I'm going to actually dunk into uh, this problem of studying. Like, don't worry about the thing that you actually are are being ambitious about. And this is this was the weirdest part for me about. Uh, getting a bit older, which is the connectedness of things that you don't, you're not thinking are building your way toward that future that you're trying to get to. Right. And it's like, if you spend, if you really allow yourself to relax on some of these big ambitious things for a moment and focus on some pretty like nitty gritty down to earth, like how to be doing the thing you are currently required to do. Weirdly enough, it, can and may actually end up speeding up your ability to get to that ambitious point and you'll be able to get there in a way that you're happier and just enjoying yourself a bit better with so like you don't have to be a solo dev while being a student but you do have to be a student so yeah, get so that shit on well, yeah, I think that's, and then that's turn actually yeah i think that's a really important point because it does like the interconnectedness of everything is is there right because like if you're thinking about even about your social life, right? Whether whether you have a significant other, whether you're you know in school, you just have a bunch of friends, whatever it is, right? You have like we also aren't taught how to live in a social context either, right? That's something that you figure out sort of absorbing, yeah. In the in the chaos of you know being of being uh, socially punished if you step out of line, right? Growing up, uh, but there's not like an active process by which you're taught like oh here's how you have healthy relationships here's how you deal with like setting boundaries here's here's how to date without being a creep right like um i'm speaking for dudes in particular because <laughs> um, i didn't know how to do that without being a creep um and so so like there's a there's all this stuff that you don't know but all of that as sam was saying like a, it bleeds in right yeah because I mean, think about my own, like my social life with my wife now, like in adult, we've been married for 15, almost actually 16 years this year, right? Mm-hmm. So we've been together for a long time, but it still is the case that every year we're like, we find something and we're like, oh, You're we didn't realize this was going on. And now yep. that we've addressed that, like our lives became easier. And now all of a sudden again, like my time shifted, like what, where my time is going mm-hmm. shifted, right? What time I'm available to do stuff and what my mindset is like when I'm doing that, right? Because if, if you have a period of time where like you and your significant other or friends are not getting along really well, mm-hmm. or there's just some kind of tension, and, and I think because of how we're all raised, like the reality is that even if you think everything is fine, there's just tension you haven't consciously addressed yet because you're just like flying by the seat of your pants and it just think, thinking it's a scalability problem where it hasn't reached a point where now is a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And this is true about everything in your life. You just get, like, once you start to like dig into it and once those are addressed and improved, now all of a sudden, like a whole bunch of concerns go away. You're less anxious. Your brain works better, right? Like all these other things happen. And then again, as a side effect, it becomes easier to go pursue some other project. Um, so I think Sam, like your point of like, you are a student right now. That's like what you have to do. Yeah. And this is actually, you know, if you think about all the aspects of your life of like, you're also like potentially a sibling, potentially mm-hmm. a child, potentially a parent. There's a whole bunch of things that you just are, mm-hmm. right? And if you really figure those things out, 
like get really good at those things, right? As a side effect, all of a sudden, the other things that you want to do also become, improve. yeah, become more doable. Yeah, but, well, because now you're you're turning yourself into a person who is good at getting good at things, yeah. mm. which is and that's the, most the actual thing. thing yeah. That's the thing you yeah. want to you can be. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it reminds me of uh, when we when we were working on the game changer stuff, mm-hmm. and I was I was speaking with somebody um, about like what our plans were in publishing and all that. And uh, for, those, for those who haven't heard of our podcast, Game Changer is our our internal tool for adding content to uh, Crashlands Two, mm-hmm. um, which was a six month project. So we suspended Crashlands 2 for six months to develop this game changer. Um, and and it has paid off like a thousand times over. Mm-hmm. But uh, but when I was talking to somebody about it, we were kind of in the middle of it. They said, well, are you like, since you're stopping development for six months to work on this tool, are you going to have to like postpone your launch? And I was like, what? No, like the, mm-hmm. the reason we're making this tool is so that we can hit the launch. Like the reason we're stopping development for six months is so we can hit our launch target. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Weird it was yeah, it's because the way yeah. we were doing development wasn't scalable. Wasn't gonna get us. It wasn't there, gonna get know? us. It was hard. Yeah, it, 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 was it was way hard. too hard yeah. and we were tired of it being hard, you know. But it's like uh, uh have you guys seen that clip from Malcolm in the Middle where uh it's it's just like this sequence. You guys know that show, Malcolm mm-hmm. in the Middle, yeah, of, oh, with yeah. Brian Cranston mm-hmm. as Hal the the dad. Yeah, we, I mean, he like, we grew up with that one. But I don't yeah, think we watched so like, it like all of it, but we definitely watched it a fair no, bit. No, but it has some great moments. Like there's this one scene where uh, where Hal he comes into like he he notices there's like a light bulb out, and so he like gets out, he like yeah, he unscrews yeah. it, and then he goes in the garage to like get a new light bulb, and then like he opens a drawer to like where I guess the other light bulbs are, and the and the drawer squeaks right. And then he sees that and he's like, huh? And he starts moving the drawer, hearing the squeaks. And then he goes to find like some WD-40. <laughs> and then like when he goes to his WD-40, he notices that like the shelf that the WD-40 is on is kind of like uneven, wobbly. right? Mm-hmm. And wobbly. And so then basically he ends up like roaming around the house, just like starting to fix a variety of problems. And then by the time, like several hours later, his wife comes home and, uh, and he's now underneath the the car, like fixing something under the car. And the wife is like, "Hey, I thought I asked you to change that light bulb." And he's like, "What does it look like?" I'm doing? <laughs> right? Yeah, and it's like, yeah, you know, sometimes sometimes you take a very indirect path, you know, to get to where you're you're trying to go. But as long as you're solving problems, you know, along the way and trying to make mm-hmm. things better, then you know you'll get there. It's yeah. okay. Oh, yeah. uh, well, I think that's all the time we have. Uh, for this week. So, uh, you know, one question, pretty good. Pretty good, you guys. We <laughs> did it. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa DaCosta, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators to keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.